Okay, so Joss, uh, as you know, we're all about excuses here on the Socialist Shelf. We're a big fan of excuses. Um, Huge. So this is, uh, I- I'm going to just open up with my excuse for the day. Um, and so if I if I say anything dumb or sound tired, no one can get mad at me. Um, no one's allowed. Uh, I just got back from a protest, right? Um, and so we're literally under heat advisory right now in Atlanta, right? And we're out there for two hours. Um, we marched a mile and a half again under heat advisory. So I just got back from that. Um, we're marching completely peaceful March kids, um, old people there, very, whatever. And no joke, the Atlanta police choose to come up alongside us on their bikes and just start shoving people with the bikes for no particular reason. And, and, and this is on, this is on recording. I'm sure you'll see it on people's social medias that were there. I don't have a great link to it, but like, just crazy and it was like fine nobody got particularly hurt or whatever but just they just started trying to box people in against the walls of city hall or whatever again there's kids there's whatever and it's it's um and we're just there marching over because they they killed a 62 year old man with like with over 20 grandkids deacon in his church they, they they killed him over a traffic stop so i know that's like a bleak opening um to talk about um and it's like an intense thing but the atlanta police department um, as we've talked about before, and we'll talk about it again, is on some other shit uh, recently. So um, that is uh, that is both um, a thing to watch um, and also my excuse for if I sound tired because I I, I am tired. All right. Well, you've heard our excuse. Um, crazy times, crazy times, police be wilding. And, uh, you know, the time will come where we can wild back. But, you know, <laughs> we got to build. We got to build. So tonight, um, tonight, as the uh, as the heat advisory sort of dissipates in the uh, in the evening, uh, if you're in air conditioning, you know, God bless. If you're not, uh, well, God help. Find air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have a guest tonight. Um, we have Aaron Thorpe from the uh, Trillbilly Workers Party, from uh, Everybody Loves Communism, from Struggle Session on occasion, and he is also an up-and-coming writer. Aaron, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, guys. Um, uh, you know, I especially wanted to do this because um, I'm, like, getting back into reading fiction, writing fiction, you know? Mm. And um, I like talking about books. Like, I like talking about comics and movies and unfortunately politics when i have to but um <laughs> but you know i like talking about the things that um actually have not that organizing or uh politics leftist politics isn't a passion but sometimes it it feels like work necessary work you know sure. so it's always nice to talk about um literature that are rooted in these themes but also that present alternative possibilities and better mm-hmm. futures you know especially hearing you jacob talk about uh because uh you know we're all in atlanta and um I was telling you I haven't been as involved in the organizing to stop moving against Cop City. Um, I need to get involved, but just seeing sort of like the response. We were talking about the DMs, the response from the cops, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, when I was reading, because I read the stories again today, um, uh, there were some themes there about coercion, about power, about sort of like the ways that I guess we. I don't want to say that we submit to power, acquiesce to power, right? Because it's not like people aren't fighting back, but these very normalized power relations and dynamics, you know? Right. Um, I don't know, not to ramble, but I just want to close that part out by saying, going back to Cop City, um, 
this is just the stop cop city movement this is just like i think one of those flashpoints like not just in the country but possibly like when people look back at this like you know if we're around in like another decade or so um the start of something promising you know um mm -hmm. so uh just shout out to you guys um for being in the trenches and doing the work you know and for everybody who's involved in the stop cop yeah. movement, shout out to everybody and across the country, shout right you know? back yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm glad you used the word flashpoint as well, because that's that's what kept coming to my paradox. mind when I was reading. Uh, yeah, paradox time. Par <sighs> no, flashpoint paradox. Sorry, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can get into that. I'm a comment. Yeah, that would be a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. The, go ahead, Joss. I the, cut the, you off. Yeah, but um, I don't even know if we mentioned what we're reading tonight. Um, we have tonight our first repeat uh author that we're uh whose work we're discussing it is octavia butler with her short story collection blood child and we mm -hmm. are discussing three short stories they're from we've got um we've got amnesty we've got the book of martha and we've got the titular blood child of course yeah um and yeah and we have yeah talk sorry go ahead yeah, well, uh, flashpoints was uh, was kind of in my mind because all these stories uh, it seems come at kind of inflection points for um for the uh, for the characters, you know. And Aaron, as as you were saying, you know, it's it's about um not necessarily acquiescing, not necessarily knuckling under in one um in one uh, paradigm of oppression or control or another, but adapting to it, right, and figuring yeah. out how one can um how how one can survive therein, if not fight back. Well, and in one case, being in control while having all the power, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, you're yeah, under yeah. control while, yeah, it's it, it's wild, but yeah, we're not going to do a full author bio like we normally do. Um, if you go back and listen to our episodes on Parable of Sower, we do talk about Octavia Butler. I will apologize for those who do that because we didn't back then. We didn't just do the upfront. Here's the author bio for the first twenty minutes, and then go into the story. That makes a lot more sense than what we do in that episode, which is just like sprinkling bits and pieces throughout the episode but um nevertheless octavia butler if you listen to those episodes we're both we're, we're, we're huge fans she's a great writer um but what we're talking about today is actually a lot more of the typical thing she wrote than parable of the sower and parable of the talents which was a much more grounded text she is much more the fan of just wild out there sci-fi she loves yeah. to just go for it um and just throw words and concepts and ideas at you and just like you can figure it out um, yeah. And her words and concepts and ideas are cool enough that it's worth fig taking the time to figure out. Um, Aaron, what's add, your can, yeah? Well, go for it. No, I no. Ask I just want your relationship to like Octavia mm -hmm. Butler's work. Oh yeah, per yeah. Per per perfect. Actually, because I was just about to. Um, uh, so um, another reason why I would come on to and talk to you guys about this because um, despite the fact that I am a uh, uh, I'm a black science fiction writer or a science fiction enthusiast, um, people like Samuel Delaney and Octavia Butler are like sort of these icons right um mm. within like not just like sci-fi broadly but especially sci-fi written by marginalized people and sure. dude i have parable of the sour it's actually not even on my bookshelf i think it's like stacked on the floor on top of another under a bunch of other books and it's from a friend and i'll be honest with you i have not read it this is the first time i've read i think i've read like the first chapter but i just never got around to finishing it and um I when I got back into reading this year, I decided to um I first I got Dark Matter, which is a collection edited by Sri Renee Thomas, who's now the mm. editor in chief of a uh, magazine of fantasy and science fiction. And mm. um it's just a collection of um I really recommend people check this out. There are some Octavia Butler stories. And actually, the morning, the evening, and the night, I think, which is included in Blood Child, is included in that collection as well. Um, and it's black speculative fiction, but um, yeah. I got Bloodchild. Um, I bought it on my Kindle after that, and um, it was just kind of fortuitous that while I was like kind of like 
like looking at it on my like Kindle library homepage, like we were talking about it. And you were like, yo, what? Well, how about these three stories? I was like, this is a perfect time to uh, to get into it. And um, I'll add that two of the stories, I think. Well, I know Blood Child um, was published in Omni magazine. And if anybody follows me on Twitter and knows my sci-fi account, I fucking love Omni magazine because mm-hmm. it, it truly encapsulates exactly what you were just saying, Jacob, about the kind of writing that she does, which is. I don't know. It's weird fiction. I guess the way you could say it is weird fiction, speculative fiction. It's weird fiction, mm-hmm. but there are mm-hmm. elements of fantasy, horror, and sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And um, and Blood Child was I, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, terrifying. Yeah. You know, we'll get into it. But um, the last thing I'll say is like, I just really like like weird fiction. Like one of its um, I guess tenets is sort of it, it sort of reminds me of magical realism in a way where the yeah. there are these supernatural, fantastical elements in mundane or urban settings. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, in Blood Child, and all of these, the settings are pretty fantastical. But well, well, maybe not so much my Amnesty because that is like a, an alien invasion, like mm-hmm. in, in our world. But um, she she teases these things out in such a way that I think in in genre and genre fiction, I think there's a lot of exposition, there's a lot of info dumping, and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed her preface to this because she talks about. Um, the same difficulty I have with writing short stories, right? I don't even think I could write a fucking novel, right? I focus mm-hmm. on short stories, but they're especially hard because there's so many ideas, right, mm-hmm. that you want to pack in. You want to make it only... bigger, yeah. Because exactly, exactly. honestly, reading this, I'm like, wait, give me more. And I understand exactly, yeah. why she can't because then that would distract from like this packet she's giving. Exactly. And she even says in the, op- I'm not sure if this is from the opening or if the first edition or the uh, re-release, but the one I read, she says... I gave up short stories the way people did cigarettes over and over again, because Mm -hmm. she was like, she always would be like, oh, no, it's easy. I'll I'll crank out a short story. And then she wanted to make it into a novel. And you can see each of these three concepts have like a, a, a wealth of concepts to them. And she does have some novels that clearly feel like a short story that grew Dawn easily could have been one of these short stories it's the same kind of world um recommend people read dawn very interesting book also the book that kind of launched her career but um yeah that that that's definitely the direction and, and we haven't talked much about short stories on this pod um but we're we're gonna talk about these three um and we'll we'll just sort of get them into them one at a time um this is a you know it's called blood child y'all want to start off with blood yeah. child y'all are cool with yeah. that but yeah, launched yeah. it first absolutely um the yeah. overall this one is in, none of these three have plots that are incredibly complicated to explain um as always spoiler alert but yeah y'all know that um and and these are all you know these are all things you can go and read pretty quickly so if you want to pause it go read them come back feel free uh we won't be really recommend that as, really recommend that as well blood I, child, agree, I think yeah. it won um we didn't want blood child won like a nebula award i think when it came out yeah, and, no um, it's excellent um, mm-hmm. it, it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. And uh, see, we won't say that with every book because um, sometime in the next couple of weeks, we're actually we're reading um, Ben Shapiro's novel. Don't recommend you read that. Just listen to ours. But, you guys uh, are oh you guys boy. are troopers, man. You, I had to read an Obama book for um, uh, an episode I did with uh, with uh, Jamie Peck, my co-host. And um, yeah, and uh-huh. Q, people know Q from Twitter, maybe. And that was a uh, I don't want to I don't like hate reading things. <laughs> so yeah. I commend you guys for doing that. We read yeah, Bill we, Clinton's novel, The President is Missing, and that one that one burned us out. But you know, but let's focus on good fiction for now. Yeah, let's yeah. Focus on yeah we won't dwell we won't dwell on that for now. We'll do plenty of dwelling mm. in the next couple of weeks. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> 20, 20 but yeah, no, a little bit of yelling. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Blood Child. This one is from, this was published in, I believe, 1984, mm. right? Uh, yeah. Um, or I'm sorry, it was the originally published in 1984, uh, the short story was released, the, the collection was released in 1995, with 2005 mm. having the expanded edition that contains these extra two stories. Um, but yeah, and this this won a Hugo Award and a Nebula Award. Um, you know, this is pretty early in her career. She's not a super breakout uh, writer at this point. She's not writing full time at this point when she writes this. But it's basically about this unusual, bizarre bond between this race of and it's hard to even really picture them. Um, they're called the Tick, right? Or, yeah, it's uh, a, is uh, it to lick to lick to lick. How'd y'all say it? To lick, I said it like lick. lick when I when I when I um yeah, yeah. see I imagine it's like yeah, an it's insect like, yes like a like a yeah. chittering almost exactly exactly yeah, yeah. Which, uh, a and human, if that sounds like uncomfortable it's because it is yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 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 they're variously yeah. described yeah. as yeah you know, segmented long you know sinuous there's a there's a um there's a passage where uh, they're described as you know they have bones right but when they move quickly they're like flowing almost yeah when they move like water, landing yeah. running they're like water which i loved which i guess i thought of like a centipede or a millipede mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. when she was like but also too like she Again, she she paints this, this this these descriptions of these monsters, these aliens that you don't really have a concrete idea of how they look, but mm-hmm. you don't really need one because you sort of fill in those blanks with the details that she gives. I mean, she's an amazing writer. Her prose is incredible, but yeah, if she wanted you to know, she would tell you. Oh, yes, you know? exactly, exactly. Which I think is part of the appeal, the mystery mm-hmm. of these creatures. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because she knows how Find to get well. You know, like the the no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, she knows how to describe something in hyper-realistic detail if she wants to. We read, mm-hmm. you know, Parable of the Sower. She has passages in that where she describes, like, wounds down to, like, the granular level to make you feel the pain. Because mm-hmm. that's, like, the protagonist's ability. She literally feels pain. And this, she wants to give you this broader sense. If you're in the mind of this character, Gan, the main guy... Um, and he's so familiar with these creatures to even explain it from his perspective would be weird. It's like everybody knows the Tlick, you know, yeah, this is yeah. I don't know how long ago the Tlick sort of conquered humanity, but it's so far in the past or at least feels so far in the past for these people. It's it's, it's not really even on the radar. This isn't even an invading species in their mind the way in the mm-hmm. second thing is um, to be to see them as invaders is sort of the dissident position. Um, well, and, and in a way, it's not even um, I don't think you could even call us the invaders. Right. Because we're led to believe that the human population here is a refugee population from like Earth or from like some other like. Uh, yeah, it's a little unclear. Yeah. Some other human mm-hmm. polity scattered throughout the uh, galaxy somewhere. Of course, we're a space faring civilization by then. But, you know, these people are cut off from um, from human humanity prime, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's it's not even. I wouldn't I would hesitate to even call it a conquest. I would hesitate to call it an invasion because we're sort of presented with a um with a symbiotic relationship here between these yeah. two species in a way that I mean, there's control. definitely a dominant species though. It's yes. definitely the yes. flick. Like Yeah, but but it's not I, I get what you're saying, Joss, because not to drop, but just to just to like add, I get what you're saying because it's not the typical alien invasion story. Yeah, that's true. One race is conquering another, although I mean, they are, which there's an interesting point, though, where um, one of the characters, um, and we'll get into it to get to the plot kind of, I guess, too. But one of the one of the characters that they talk about, um, you find out that he's he's described as having brown skin like he's black. Right. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I think um, 
Tagoy, which is the 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 main Talik, right? Um, the the the, the secondary character. Um, uh, Tugatoy. she, yeah, Gatoy. She says that your people would have been enslaved had they stayed on Earth. So again, this is Octavia Butler playing around with like a lot of people thought this was an allegory for slavery, which I didn't see it as that. But she is oh, playing yeah, she categorically. Along. Yeah, she categorically yeah. Ca- categorically denied it in the essay following the. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- there is this idea of like a marginalized, displaced people, whether it's humanity generally, but also when I'm reading it, she describes like, okay, are these black people who left Earth? But it, it doesn't matter how it doesn't mm-hmm. matter that she doesn't describe it. It's just sort of an analogy that really works for the story, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I like to imagine that it's this takes place a hundred years after Starship Troopers, and it's just some stranded humans <laughs> that tried to fight the bug people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No, uh, yeah. So basically, you have this child, Gan, and uh, Gan is a teenage boy. I'm not exactly sure how old he is. I don't think. Um, and he's got, and he and his family have this relationship with a Tlick in particular. Um, let's see, this, um, this. Uh, do you say Ngatoy? Is that it? Tugatoy? Tugatoy, yeah. And and Tugatoy, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> basically feeds them like these <laughs> eggs that will like sedate them and are like have like a, a drug like quality. Um, mm. I'm trying to get one of those eggs, check them out. But uh, and prolonged life sound, apparently too. Yes. And prolonged yes. life, like a drug that makes is good for you. You know, they're, they're <laughs> on this, this is where um, Octavia Butler's attention to detail, I think comes into play because um you know you mentioned that she describes wounds very granularly and indeed granularly and indeed she will later in the story mm-hmm. but um like lovecraft with weird fiction right the strength lies in both what you describe and thus when you've proven your uh sort of describing chops what you don't describe right yeah. and which makes her really good at dramatic irony right you know so uh, you know, we open with the uh, family kind of lounging around, and Gan is, uh, you know, sipping from um, sipping from egg. Uh, his egg that uh, Tagatoy has provided, right? And like cuddling yeah. with Tagatoy. Yeah, like has, she has her limbs wrapped around him, like Ugh. like like a cage almost is the way he describes it, or his like family it. is feel cage, right? Mm-hmm. And here he's wondering why my mother denied herself such a harmless pleasure, right? And right off the bat, like even if you've not read the story, you're like, okay, there's some dramatic irony going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, and I think Gandhi began even says like um that um that his mother is often at her most uh, polite and severe when she's lying. So there mm-hmm. is something where like okay, there's something going on with these eggs, right? This is this is a symbiotic relationship, but it also feels like this power dynamic that's not even just been normalized, but just sort of like accepted as a way of survival. For this, like, um, this exiled human race, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and basically the reason the humans are useful to the Tlick is because they're a very good vessel for bearing their young. They're, they, they're these larvae that they put inside of them, basically, um, grow inside the human. And the idea is you'll have a good relationship. It'll, there'll be this symbiotic relationship where it's sort of a partnership, um, be able to remove the larva in a sort of nice and sanitized fashion with the human being unconscious. Um, as you might guess, it doesn't always happen like that. In in this story, Gan witnesses a man giving birth, sort of, and having a, a C-section, essentially, while awake of these things eating him and has to go and get a live beast for these larvae to eat instead of the human. And Gan, being in this relationship with um, a Tlick 
knows, oh, shoot, like these things are going to be in me too. And even if I don't see it, this is what happens. And there's this then they're going to eat me horrifying. too. Yeah, yeah. Oh and, and you're being literally eaten on the inside, and it's it's horrifying. But then the Tlicks see it as like humane. They're like, well, we could have turned humans into big dumb animals, and we didn't do that. And exactly, this but, is the way we have to yeah. coexist, right? If we're going to live together, you know. Which, when I learned that, I just wrote with a bunch of question marks around it. Gender commentary? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Like you know, there's yeah, it's a, it's a little unclear exactly what this is about, but it is very. Mm-hmm. But that it it's deeply unsettling. I mean, even yeah, just no. the description. It could be it could be gender commentary. It could be race commentary. You know, even you know, she says she didn't write it specifically about slavery. But again, Aaron, you're correct. You know, there's this sort of frame of reference that you're writing from. Like you have one group that's using another group for you know we assume labor for we assume you know reproduction. Of course, you know that's it's it's an it's, it's an inescapable sort of um it's an inescapable sort of thing that you think about. Um, and again, you know, the the sort of humane way that um, this birth is supposed to occur, of course, happens in the context of, um, you know, Tegatoy being a quote unquote good owner. Right. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to add too, like um, one thing that Octavia Butler had said, um, and it's very apparent off the bat, um, um, is that she wanted to play around with male pregnancies. And yeah. In the story, you find out that the Talik prefer um male hosts even though like apparently they also think that maybe well women like their body fat they have more body fat to protect the of the larva or whatever but she wanted like 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 put a, a male in a position where they like and, and this is and this is kind of maybe this is the part that kind of made me feel comfortable too thinking about like the history of like you know black people in slavery right. it's like mm-hmm. black women slaves being forced to carry fucking children that right. weren't theirs right that they this was not consensual this was rape right mm-hmm. and how uncomfortable that is right that power dynamic but also as a male right where you are not you are not siloed into this gender role in society and you're confronted with the fact that now not only is it normalized but actually it's um it's ta- it's tantamount to torture essentially is mm-hmm. what it is right or an animal or abuse if you're using this person as an animal because i think gon asked um uh Togoy, are, are we animals to you and she's like no you know this is why we did away with the uh, with the, uh, the forced family separations but that power dynamic is still there you know mm-hmm. exactly. exactly and it's always implicit like they could if if you said no, like they they're gonna get someone else, and if everyone said no, they they they'd make it happen one way or another. I mean, they're Indeed, living on a reservation. Threat, yes, that precise they're threat is on a, levied toward the end of the story. Yeah, they're living on a reservation. They're they're restricted. We don't know what all the restrictions are, but like they have an illegal gun, which means these the Tlick are setting the rules for them. Um, and clearly, like this Tlick that hangs out with them is like supposed to be one of the like more kind ones that respects humans more. And probably in internally sees herself as like better than some of the other slick. And it's like, no, I treat them better. And it's like, you know, from the outside, it's so much like, well, this is this is just such a messed up dynamic. This is so uncomfortable. But everyone inside of it, that is the dynamic they have. Slick need to reproduce somehow. And the humans are reliant. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but I have trouble imagining the humans like have their own agriculture and their own whatever. I kind yeah. of imagine this world where they're just being provided stuff and living on this reservation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because it is symbiotic, not in like a healthy way, but it is symbiotic. And all these stories that we 
talk about are kind of like that. You have a higher being and a lower being sort of that the higher mm-hmm. being has some reliance on the lower being in some way. And that's also the story of Dawn, which is what launched Octavia Butler's career is about aliens who need to draw from a lesser species, um, a lesser equal species and switch genes with them to continue to grow mm-hmm. and spread across the universe. Um, and can I just of, say that? Yeah. Go ahead. Just like, uh, that's just such an amazing, um, I really like the way you put that, that, that these three stories are about, a higher, well, quote, higher being organism that depends, yeah. yeah, more powerful that depends on another one because, and I think in a lot of sci-fi, like alien invasion stories, it's always about what resource, which never really makes sense to me because like, if you wanted to come to earth for fucking water, there's water abundant in space in itself, right? right? I mean, you can go mm-hmm. to a meet, whatever, but this one is like, oh, to propagate life, right? Like it's something that's so fundamental that when Gon talks about, um, uh, so is it I keep is it to go to go to go to go to go to go to when she talks about um or when Gon talks about the fact that she got into politics you know and that she is the only thing that is standing in the way of all of these hordes right mm-hmm. and I mean you know I hope, I'm like I'm thinking I'm just kind of like spitballing here because I'm thinking about it but um I'm can try to make a connection like with the right wing right and they're like project I think part of their project is progeny right part of their project is social reproduction i mean this is why um they're up in arms about you know a uh, uh, critical race theory right and about um the great replacement and about abortion mm-hmm. and about you know being transphobic because it's uh, their idea like an existential battle of reproduction and reproducing their way of life and exactly it really had me thinking like you know like what i mean what would people or, or an alien race be willing to do right even if it was to kind of kind of engage in this kind of soft power dynamic you know with with the, the human species in order for them to survive you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know Which, just, that, just that kind of concept just kind of really i don't know it just it just it was powerful. It was really powerful. Yeah, story. absolutely. And, you know, which soft power dynamic emerges, um, we're given to understand from struggle, right? Because it's yeah. the assassinations are a period that's referred to, right? You know, when when uh, humanity fought back at one point and there was open warfare between them. And so we understand, again, you know, we get this filtered through the understanding of Tagatoy, but we understand that at one point there was there was a period of hostility and uh, they fought to some sort of stalemate. You know, and the, some sort of stalemate, which which we are we are um, we are led to believe is constantly being picked away at as this ruling class inevitably does. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and and it kind of leads into, you know, the Gon's family has this illegal gun, um, which it's like not seen as like an act of rebellion necessarily. It's like, oh, y'all aren't supposed to have that. You know, like they they don't seem like actively scared. But because Gon, you know, speaks with her brother, who her brother is very, you know, skeptical about this whole process, uh, gone, gone as a guy, gone speaks about his brother, my bad, hmm. gone speaks with his brother about this, this thing. And they're skeptical of this whole process. Um, he's, and he's terrified from what he's seeing. He knows he's very soon going to be literally impregnated with these larvae that will eat him. Um, he takes the gun and is considering either killing Tagatoy or killing himself. 
Yeah, um, I'm not the only one who thought Gone was female. At I first. thought Gone like, was female. Yeah, I thought yeah. Gone was female at first. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it, did, yeah, it didn't click for me until until uh, quite late in the story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which I think maybe is on purpose. Um, yes, yes, yes. And it is worth noting, Octavia Butler. The vast majority of her protagonists are female. The vast majority of her protagonists are are uh, black women. And in mm. everything I've read except this story by Octavia Butler, the protagonist mm. has been a black woman. Which, of course, yeah. you know, you write, you put yourself in stories and you put, you know, and that's what she wanted to write about. That's what she she got into sci-fi because she said black women were underrepresented in sci-fi. They still are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so but she chose gone in this case as a guy, because I think it 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 makes the commentary and the and the point and the sort of inversion work yeah. more effectively. But, you know, gone is sort of given this choice that's not a choice because it's like. Okay, Gon isn't gonna have some active like revolutionary change if he kills himself or kills um uh Tagatoe. It but but Tagatoe is like, oh, I am giving you a choice. I am giving you a moment. Oh, I'll just go in and impregnate your sister or whatever. Yeah, or like yeah. and Tagatoe in her own mind is clearly like, Oh yeah, no, I'm being like cool and like open and giving I'm being reasonable about chance. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's but there are only so many options out and most of them are either violent or to like accept your fate and the accepting your fate is unfortunately the most comfortable option. And that's what gets taken. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, too, I thought I found it, what was interesting too, is that um we've been, we've been talking about it in which it is about these power dynamics, right. And this um symbiotic and again, it is symbiotic, but it's, yeah. it's, it's there's a gradient to it. It's obviously, it's obviously a power dynamic there, but um gone at first, when that scene, when um when he takes out the gun, he's cleaning it, right? And is like, are you gonna kill? Is he gonna kill Tagatoi? Is he gonna kill himself? And then he ends up kind of like making the making the choice, right, to be um to be a host, to be impregnated because he wants to save his sister. He wants to save her mm-hmm. from undergoing that. And I thought that was really powerful, right? Because true, Gon doesn't really have a choice in the story. The society is already predetermined, but. Mm-hmm this act of love, you know, to like go through with this, this horrible thing. I mean, at least the way that it happened to, um, I think Bromos is the character's name who, who uh, is brought in, who Gon sees uh, getting pretty much opened up like a C-section, right. And having the larva removed. Um, Gon doesn't want his sister to go through that. Right. And I just thought that that was really like, there was a really quiet, powerful act of love there, you know, mm-hmm. while essentially he's getting impregnated by Tagatoy in that scene that um yeah I, I don't know it, it was it wasn't it wasn't it didn't feel so I mean the end bummed me out for sure but it also it, there was kind of this beautiful optimism in there I don't know man it was this weird kind of feeling where wow this is fucking horrible but you also did this mm-hmm. out of love though to protect your sister you know right well yeah because he didn't take a selfish it wasn't a selfish choice you know it yeah. was maybe Maybe it was the quote unquote easy road, but it was not it was not an easy road. Um, but you know, one one, you know, and you could, you know, get into okay, how much is for the sister? How much is like because this is expected? How much of this is because he's still high on this egg? What is this <laughs> egg even doing to him? That's we don't really thing. know. That's the thing, because um, the egg because the egg makes people more suggestible and relaxed, basically. So there is always yeah. that kind of hanging over. Notably, um, the mother, um, uh, we might have mentioned it before, the mother refuses to take these things, right? The yeah. father the mother you know, the gets father, like pushed into it, yeah. Yeah, the father, you know, was sucking him down all his life. You know, and mm-hmm. grants him a natural long life, but uh, no, the mother, the mother knows that this is fucked up. 
Um, and, and the mother is, yeah, the mother seems to have like gone cynical at some point in the past. And it's mm-hmm. not, seems like she wasn't always. But yeah, it's interesting because like that, there is this moment where Tagatoi thinks she's being, you know, good and cool by saying like, no, you need to, you need to take my sting. You need to take this egg. You need to relax. You don't, you, whatever. And like literally basically forcing this woman to drug herself because she's like, <laughs> yeah, no, literally. you need to relax. And mm-hmm. she sees it as, oh, what am, am I not being such a good friend helping this poor, stupid woman relax? And it's like, well, no, you just drugged this woman. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you're also, and you're, there's a line where uh, Tagatoi says too, she says, um, because uh, Gon's mother's name is Leanne and she says, Leanne, this home is like a sanctuary to me and you won't even take care of yourself. And it's like, dude, that's hell selfish, man. Like yeah. you're keeping her alive, not just not only because like, you know, this family is going to help like kind of foster your larva, larva baby, but also too, because this gives you comfort, you know, mm-hmm, like, yeah. a, like as if they were pets, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Um, and it is also interesting that. um Octavia Butler chose to make this the titular story that chose to make blood child, you know, the header of this whole thing. Um, And I think that's part partially because of the dynamic it introduces. I think partially is probably just because it was already an incredibly successful work. That's just a practical decision, Mm -hmm. but also like, you know, having it up front, having it as the thing on the mind, um, I think it is a strong embodiment in a very condensed package of like what a lot of her work is, which is Mm -hmm. dealing with a lot of things that could mean a lot of things that could go a lot of directions that you kind of have to stretch your mind to fill in the blanks, even to see the scenery. Um, And it leaves you with more questions than answers. I think that's what she's trying to create here. And that's why probably why she chose Bloodchild. Bloodchild is actually not my favorite of the three. I really like Book to Mark book of martha the best but i understand why th- this isn't book of martha and other stories this is blood child and other stories because i think it thematically makes it that and book of martha wasn't added to the second edition but that's not the point you um, know what, I, what i'll say too um from a writing standpoint um with the story is that uh she was partially inspired by uh the bot fly i think they're yeah, called bot yeah. flies which are flies that um I guess in South America, which they lay their eggs in the wounds made by other insects. Mm-hmm. So eventually you have a larva growing like under your flesh and then the fly flies out. And um, what she said was in the afterword. And I really like too the afterwards because I usually don't like afterwards or I don't like like mm-hmm. a pre commentary. I usually hate that shit. Thankfully, they were these were all very short, you know, and mm-hmm. also she didn't explain the work she just explained kind of her methodology behind it which as a writer yeah. i really appreciated um and one thing she said was that whenever she is stressed out about something or trying to work through a problem or fear she writes it out and i know that sounds really basic but she came up with a beautiful story out of like you know a fear of like i mean no those things sound really terrifying but out of something sort of mundane if not horrifying mundane and she ended up saying that she writing about them made them less terrifying and more interesting you know yeah and like i as again like i I really appreciate that sort of commentary that she gives because it makes you appreciate her craft so much more because there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like forethought into it that um i can relate to as well as the writer you know so um yeah i I really enjoyed this actually was this probably was my favorite out Mm -hmm. of them but also to have a preference for omni magazine so anything that's published in i'm like fuck yeah Mm -hmm. but no i really enjoyed this story looking into that after the bot fly thing i looked into the bot fly more and i found Oh god i'm so sorry 
Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, think the horrifying. Fucking I also found there's a large internet community of people who share botfly extraction videos, which is no, dude, crazy. I am so good on that. Oh my god, oh, yeah. I'm imagining that in my mind. And it's 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 bad. It's really bad. I think on the um, uh, I think on the popping subreddit, there's specifically a botfly tag, but there might uh, be a subreddit specifically dedicated to that. I don't know. I mean, people are gross, man. Uh, but yeah, like, I, it's, I could pimple popping is one thing. I don't want to see. Bot- that's like another <laughs> lever. It's a yeah. living creature. Yeah. Yeah. But like, and it's also interesting though because I feel like it's Octavia Butler. You know, she didn't really live to see the internet grow to what it is, but she probably would have been fascinated by like what are these freaks they're like you know it's interesting like the people but people are gravitated gravitate towards the grotesque like there is something yes. about something that's deeply unsettling that like draws us in it's why like good horror and stuff fascinates people um yes. and some people need to watch those videos i guess i, I don't know I, you know <laughs> no hate to anybody who's listening to watch this video but like i don't get it but it is interesting but i i um yeah i i don't well, and, want to and... um before yeah, we move on from the bot flies, you know, something something occurred to me, um, Aaron, that you reminded me of, actually, um, where she discusses the bot fly sort of influence on her story. She also mentions that um, you've got to wait for the bot fly thing to run its course. Right. Because if you just yeah. like rip that shit out. Right. There's a there's a risk of infection. And and that interests me. Right. Because mm. it, it's it's it ties back to that theme of these stories as like transitional periods as like moments in a particular struggle where it can't come to fruition and you just sort of had to figure out how to adapt right mm. because again you know they've only got the one gun humans can't drive except for like farming implements right you know so what do you do with that in the meantime right how do you how do you adapt you know how do you find some beauty in the fundamentally um in the fundamentally grotesque sex scene that we uh, that we end with um you know how do you cuddle after you know an alien drops a drops an egg in you yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you, that's you thought what re- it was grotesque to have the blind probing of an Avi poster. <laughs> Go ahead, Aaron. Oh, yeah. I also, I also, love, I also love, um, um, I didn't even know what that was, but obviously, like, because of the description that she's giving, and that was like beautifully disgusting. It was like mm-hmm. sublimely grotesque. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the descriptions as well, um, of the larva being pulled out of um, the sky and their slimy and covered in blood and blind like yeah for a minute i had to kind of put down like i was like mm-hmm. okay I-, I need a minute this shit is like but it's so good man she she makes it almost sound beautiful in a way you know yeah no i actually um gross as it is i do want to like read a quick passage just so people can kind of yeah. get the idea this is towards the end when gone is you know decided i'm gonna go through with it and it says I undressed and laid down beside her i knew what to do what to expect i had been told all my life that was interesting I felt the familiar sting, narcotic, mildly pleasant, and the blind probing of her ovipositor. The puncture was painless easy, so easy going in. She undulated slowly against me, her muscles forcing the egg from her body into mine. And like, ugh, you know, like, it's so uncomfortable. And it's such a You can imagine the egg dropping through. Oh, mm -hmm. God. And and it's like, and it, 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 and it, like, um, it has, and then afterwards, he's, like, caged in her limbs and is, like, and it's like it's a subversion of like you know what could be something tender or whatever, and that he's literally been told all his life. That's an interesting, interesting line there. You know the concept of you know the concept of he's like literally been groomed into this. Um, oh yes, 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 yes. And also too, go, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go for it. No, no, no. I was just gonna say also too. Um, you know, just like the minute that he sees this man brought in. 
you know, where these larvae or like they, I guess they have to be taken out. Like, um, I, I guess his Talik was supposed to do it. I don't know where he's sick or something like that. And it's when Gon actually like looks at this guy, like you were saying this earlier, Jacob, and says, wait, that shit's going to happen to me. Right. You know? It's sort of like, like expectation versus reality, right? Like you've been mm -hmm. told all your life that this is how this is going to work out, but you don't really know until the ovipositor is, you know, in your belly button or whatever she injected yeah, it. Whatever the hell. <laughs> well, um, I want to go ahead and move on to the next story now because mm -hmm. we couldn't talk about this more, but just for the sake of time. Um, yeah, 100%. Unless y'all have any burning things to finish on with here. Is there anything um, else y'all want to add before we hop on? Last, last thing I'll add about um about the story is that, um I mean, I guess you already said it, Jake, was that I think this is a, for someone who's never, for someone who's never read any of her work before, which is, again, shameful, Um, I do think this is like, this is, this I think is a great example of not just not just like the kind of fiction that she writes in particular, but I mean, what good black speculative fiction looks like, you know what I mean? Where I don't know, man, I feel like sometimes that um that there's this almost fetishization of marginalized writers. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like like, you know, SSF uh, SFF editors will say that, hey, we want um we want diverse voices. And I've tweeted about this, but it's always caged in a certain expectation of what they actually want. Right. right. Like, OK, this cat, this story is either too black or not black enough. Right. Or too, and, and she, again, mixes all these different themes that when you finish reading it, you don't you don't really have a one to one analogy, but the themes are there and it almost seems like she could be talking about any number of things and i don't know i just really appreciated that absolutely really absolutely and speaking of weird themes segue there amnesty is the next is the next short story here um oh yeah and boy if you thought the aliens in fucking uh bloodchild were weird oh boy <laughs> dude it took me a while to even like because this one is a lot of um it's it's not broken up by much dialogue until one character gives an entire but even then she's telling a story mm. but the combination of the descriptions and like this is probably also because my my brain is damaged by the internet but the blocks of paragraphs and everything is so um is so how can i put it she really paints this picture i guess it's very evocative that she takes her time on this one yeah yeah and i didn't even know what they looked like at first you know I don't know. They're just very weird yeah. creatures. They're very weird aliens. Um, I will say with Amnesty, and this is this is uh worth noting before we get into it. This was explicitly based on a story, um, a real thing that happened. And hmm. be clear, this was published on Sci-Fi Magazine or not Sci-Fi Magazine, Sci-Fi.com, uh, in two thousand three, and was later included in the republish of this, the uh, re-release of Bloodchild's uh the collection. Late Butler. Um, yeah. Um, yes, very late Butler, uh, shortly before her accident and, and her her death. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. She um, but yeah, she based this on the story of Win Ho Lee, Dr. Win Ho Lee, who is a Taiwanese American scientist uh, who worked uh, for the American government, um, did nuclear science, was accused of selling China nuclear secrets uh, later. Later turned out to be completely fake. Uh, did not sell anybody anything. Uh, he had went under solitary without bail for a year and was tortured in prison. Um, was some of the tortures that are described in this short story of being tied to a chair and forced to experience things. Doctor uh, Winho Lee did experience. 
Um, the government publicly maligned him. The media maligned him without any sort of evidence. Um, you know, even in Congress and stuff, people were maligning him. Um, it turns out the only thing he did was potentially mishandle some information. But even then, that's skeptical. It's like sort of up in the air. He was in jail for quite a while before he had to be released on literally there being no evidence at all. Um, he was given a settlement in 2006 of $1.6 million. But federal stipulation was it only could apply to his legal fees. So the money was only allowed to cover his legal fees. Dude, basically, they were like, all right, you're not in debt from this. But um, so, yeah, you had his career wasted completely years destroyed. years of your fucking life. Uh, yeah, and, and his body was waste his life. And his body was – he was physically destroyed and mentally destroyed from solitary confinement. Um, and uh, since then, he has left, kept a low profile but did write a physics textbook. Um, but he – He's a very solitary guy, but she read Octavia Butler read the story. This is pre even the settlement, uh, pit, pitiful as the settlement was, um, and pre even like sort of admission of guilt by the U.S. government. Um, and this sort of this this railroading of this guy, this very racist railroading of this guy, because they were like, oh well, he's a Taiwanese scientist, he's probably selling secrets to China, or whatever. Um, so that is what inspired this short story. Um. And uh, yeah, it's a story every bit as uh, it's and in the short story. I mean, if you read the short story, or you hear the plot of it. It you can see where the where the, it was drawn from. Um, but yeah, do y'all want to talk a little bit about the plot of this one because it's not it's not too complicated. Like just if you give the the bullet points, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, uh, th- this one. I mean, we we were even start with this one, man. I guess this one. I guess this one takes place with well, uh, it starts with uh, what are called employers, I guess, which mm-hmm. are these communities, which I guess are described as like what they're described as like bushes, almost like these floating yeah. bushes, I guess, trees. But like they're like they're collections of different teeny organisms that latch yes. together mm-hmm. to make. Um, I don't know if any of y'all, like anyone, has ever read. Um, anyone who's listening, or either of y'all have ever read or seen any of the Star Wars legends which is like pre-disney buying star wars mm-hmm. but there was a species called the yuzang vong that was come up with for these graphic oh, novels guys yeah um and they use biotechnology and this was like big in the 90s when there was no new movies after episode six and like there's a huge war against the yuzang vong and they're awesome i loved it as a kid it probably the books probably suck to be clear but the mm-hmm. concepts stick in my brain and this is like straight out of that these like bio technology these things link together to build these huge whatever and no one understands them and fascinating if anyone's interested there go on a wikipedia wikipedia deep dive there's a lot of information there but uh um I, yeah. I like I just like that idea of like a super organism I guess right yeah. like there's all these hundred different entities that make this one community and they're called communities, communities too which I thought was really weird vibes yeah it, it, I guess it reminded me of like colonies of like coral polyps you know what I mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and basically you have this main character, Noah, um, and it, Noah, but it's a woman, uh, her name, her name is Noah, um, and they even acknowledge, like, not a lot of women named Noah, you know, whatever, she wanted yeah. to call Noah, because she's this would-be savior of humanity, um, and she was, when these creatures invaded, and their invasion was pretty limited, they basically just landed in the deserts, set up huge domes, and set up huge domes, um, they um 
kidnapped a bunch of people to try and figure out what was going on with humans. And it wasn't out of any kind of malice. At least this is Noah's description. There was no kind of malice in it. They were just like, what are we dealing with? Are these even intelligent creatures? And they ran studies on them like we do on like lab rats, basically. And they did it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Noah was one of them. She went through some bad shit. When they let her go, she fell into the hands of the government. And the government did even worse shit to yeah, her. arguably worse shit. And you're yeah. arguably worse because she says it's you, worse. Yeah, she says it's worse. But but I I uh, I'd have to kind of agree because what she says is that the what you were saying, Jacob, was that the communities when they're experimenting on humans before a, a, a language, a universal language was developed, which I guess are signs. Like I guess human beings move their gesticulate with their arms and their hands. In a, in a visual pattern that makes sense to these communities. But she says that at least they were they were unintentionally harming people because they just didn't know how we worked. Like you were just saying, mm-hmm. the, the the U.S. government, once they found out that she was one of the first person to leave one of the bubbles, they know what they're doing. They know the extent of human pain and suffering, and they still do it. And I thought that unlike the Talik, like I had more sympathy for these aliens, even though they're arguably doing, I mean, at least it was described like horrific shit to people, but it's out of this. Well, I've got to be careful here because as human beings, we do this shit all the time, right? Well, we don't know because it's other life form. We, we can't imagine that it has feelings as we do, but mm. I'm more sympathetic to the point that they were just like, Oh shit. Like we just killed this guy. Maybe we shouldn't do that again. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If only to keep them alive so we can keep studying this person. Right. They have like this this removed, this detached. Sorry, Josh, yes. you were about to say something. Yeah, no, well, there and and there is a there is a bit more of a sense of um there is a bit more of a sense of the um communities easing off once they figure out exactly what they've done, once they figure out how to communicate with uh, these these strange people called humans. And I mean, this is jumping ahead a bit, but once they figure out how to sort of um how to interact with us um in a more nuanced way um that includes defending themselves from Mm -hmm. um from you know humans striking back at what they you know correctly see as an invasion right and what they do there is more targeted in a way that i think that i think um leads one to believe that they had that they're willing to um be a little more compassionate than indeed the u.s government was Mm. um there's a quote from it too and this is what sort of sums up the captivity she had of the U.S. government because the U.S. government takes her in as soon as the aliens release her. And she says, and this is a direct quote, they did all of this because they knew, knew absolutely that a captive who survived 12 years of captivity and who is then freed must be a traitor of some kind, willing or unwilling, knowing or unknowing. They x-rayed me, scanned me in every possible way. When they found nothing unusual, it only made them angrier, made them hate me more. I was somehow making fools of them. They knew it, and I wasn't going to get away with it. And and she's mm. in this situation. She never tries. She tries to. She tries to kill herself. They stop her from killing herself. The U.S. government does, and then just treats her bad and says she did it to like get better attention. And she she goes through all this yeah. horrible stuff. And there has to be this prolonged legal case to get her out of prison. Um, and she after experiencing all, all of these things, um, and you know I'm I'm running through the plot really quickly because like just just so people understand the broad strokes, mm. um. After experiencing all of these things, she ends up realizing, okay, well, we have to coexist with these things. They are more powerful than us, especially a reveal that happens at the very end. We cannot stop these things. We need to understand each other. 
And since yeah. she can speak their language, the language of the communities, she goes and works for them. And she works to um, basically as an intermediary between the communities yeah. and humans. And what do the cu- communities need with humans? Basically, when they wrap them up, which is the way they communicate by like enfolding them, which again, made me give, gave me the heebie-jeebies. Imagine getting yes. crawled on by a bunch of whatevers. Yes. Octavia um, Butler's aliens like to give hugs. They do. Uh, they really do. They're very strange hugs. They are. <laughs> Um, it, it is it gives them like a high, and they have no yes. familiarity with drugs, so they're getting high yes. on humans. And humans are once again in a symbiotic relationship, and this time humans are the drug. Yeah, and the humans enjoy it too, right? And yeah, also, they kind of like I, it. I guess what I guess the the sort of um because the way with the way uh the way it kind of uh, starts, or I guess the narrative sort of um I'm drive it is that is that uh uh. Uh, Noah is uh, is uh, I guess having like a kind of like um uh, how what's the word for it like an interview process with a bunch of applicants right like people who are also going to be um, intermediaries with this alien species mm-hmm. and the whole time I'm like thinking like okay like well what are they being hired for like what's the job and the job is like like it's it's this uh transfer and flow of information but um of of sensation i guess but information as well like all they want to do is they want to know about us you know like they just want to know like our culture or history or something that they're curious about and for some reason like this cultural exchange i don't know like that was like that was that was like really creepy and kind of horrifying to me you know because mm-hmm. it's like it's one thing to like i guess like to be an alien species where you can like shapeshift and look like a human being or a zoo hypothesis thing. But it's another thing to like, like not really enslave these people, but in order to live with them, to understand them in a cold scientific way, something about that just really gave me the heebie jeebies and the unfolding of it. Like, I, I mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. I guess, I, I guess it would have, I guess it would have been cliche if like, again, they wanted physical material resources, but Octavia Butler never goes that route in either of these stories, you know, whether it was it, in, it, um, yeah. in Bloodchild or in this one. But they aren't slaves. They are employees. Uh, yeah. There is a there is a wage relationship. Aliens coming yes. to Earth, and we don't know exactly why, started a global recession, a global super recession. Yeah. I just guess everybody was like, why am I going to work tomorrow? There's aliens. Fuck this. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, which, like, fair enough. Would um, be my response as well. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's, and so they, the aliens have, you know, resources and it's interesting The ca- aliens had no theory of capitalism, but they adopt it pretty quickly. Um, and capitalism has even infected this relationship, even notably Rune Johnson, one of the potential, potential employees says humans have been quote evicted from the universe center. There's multiple references to material relationships of money. The humans constantly say the aliens are evicting them. Even when one of the humans makes the point, well, they didn't take any land that we gave we like give a shit about but the guy's like well they took our land like this possession yeah. so like capitalism which is a thing these these aliens don't have any relationship to is actually really like is is really like forming this relationship between them and the whole concept of employer employee comes from the human side the humans come yes. forward with the treaties and the this and the that and here's what we're going to do with our materials and our resources that the aliens didn't have any such proposal or any such concept well, yeah, and there's yeah. even 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 like uh, gradations of wage, right? You know, you can you can get paid a certain amount if um, 
you enter into this relationship, right? And if you don't speak the alien's language, if you don't learn as what of it that you can express as a human, you know, fine, whatever. You'll they'll still uh, derive some value out of it that way. But uh, oh, here we go. If you want to move up a pay grade or two and be given work that might actually interest you, learn the language, right? Yeah. So you know there is there is that sort of there is that sort of separation of um there is that sort of separation of people into uh, different wage categories. Which, um, you know, I can only assume that they picked up, you know, Jacob just said they picked up from us. Reminds me of my job where I uh, was told, um, I was like, oh, so we have all this paid time off. And they're like, yeah, but if you want to do well, don't take the paid time off. (laughs) Um, Not with that employer anymore. It it just made me think about, um, um, like a lot of it made me think about kind of assimilation, you know, like, um, like when people come to this country and the english is not their first language but mm. if you know to, if they want to not even want a job but to fill up paperwork you know yeah. english might be the only language and i think one character actually says um i think it might be either i forget their names but there are two characters there's an angry young red-haired woman and there's a black guy that are very um a- antagonistic towards these uh, communities and i think one of them says something like so they come here and steal our shit and we have to speak their language, you know? Mm. And I just found that that was very, again, like she's talking about a lot of different things here, but a lot of it like was sort of this assimilation or sort of, I don't want to say immigrant experience because the humans haven't left earth like they did in blood child. Right. We've just been evicted. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the aliens got here and they're not leaving. They in fact exactly. can't. They don't. They were one-way rocket ships. Yes, uh, yes. I love. I love stuck. that. By the way, I, I love mm-hmm. that. By the way, that like, yeah, like they can't go back. Even though they have this awesome technology, they kind of like blew it in one shot, and now they're mm-hmm. here to stay. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the well, humans. Again, it's, try- oh, go ahead. It's it's an inversion that forces you to you know consider those those dynamics of of uh, immigrant versus uh, versus the uh, host country. Right. It's yes. not the people who. It's not the people who have come to this new place that have to uh, that have to suddenly assimilate. Like we have to assimilate to the people who have come here. Yes, right. yes, yes. And yes. and it's interesting that with the you know, no pun intended, the bomb that gets dropped at the end, which is basically, oh, the humans did try to do a war against these aliens, and they didn't make this public. They launched a bunch of nukes, and the aliens returned the nukes on a unexploded half of them half, half the, of them exactly to the to the humans and they just like popped up in the oval office and stuff just like hey, a full nuke just sitting there um and kept the other ones so these aliens whatever tech they have that kept nukes from erupting and, and were able to return them it's, it's above to me human. that they didn't keep all of them right they mm-hmm. gave yeah. half of them back to us i think it's just this was to show they didn't need them like i think it's a flex you know um, yeah that could yeah. be it's also I, just, I, I wonder if they didn't learn the concept of mutually assured destruction from us at some point. Yeah, maybe. I, and it's we don't know much about these aliens, and it's almost impossible to know. And Noah wants to form this connection because she just genuinely wants human beings to survive, like a very normal wish. And of course, her name is Noah. There's we we could see what no. Butler's doing here. It's 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 in this case though, it feels more like if Noah was trying to save. Well, I guess Noah was trying to save humanity from God, um, but that's a whole different thing. Um, mm-hmm. The idea well, of like Noah, well, you know, I do, I do think as well there is a dialectic that the uh, aliens have kind of fallen in love with or discovered is necessary, right? Because you know we mentioned we mentioned the concept of humanity as addictive drug, right? You know yeah. that some of the uh, that some of these aliens need that connection to 
uh, adapt comfortably to this new environment that they're in, right? Which, you know, again, I'm, you know, mutually assured destruction is, um, I think what the, in my mind, it's what they settle on, right? Because, okay, well, if we have to exterminate humanity, you know, then we're not going to be able to hack it on this world, right? Yeah. And also, too, um, um, uh, Noah's, Noah's kind of position is assimilation is better than annihilation, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's better that, like, um, that knowing what they've done to me, which is not as bad, if you can believe it or not, than what the humans did to me, the only way that we can assure that this um, um, incredibly more powerful technological advance and like scientifically detached species does annihilate us as if we give them what they want, which is, and again, an exchange of information and sensation, which I mean, I, for me again, that was just, that seemed much more poignant than aliens coming to earth for resources like gold right. or water, you know? Well, you'd have, yeah. And it's also interesting. Um, that the aliens are here at all. They're not here for any one reason, right? They're not here because, oh, Earth has X. They're not here because the humans are drugs. They figured that out. They're presumably just kind of explorers. explorers. Yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. we're going to spread our species across the stars in a very um, interesting way. It's like, you know, um, um, Joss, I think of um, Mountains of Madness where he has the bit where mm-hmm. he sees the alien species and he says, Whatever they were, they were men because they were were investigating and they were interested and they were curious Mm -hmm. and they died because of it. And these things, and in some ways, they have these human-like qualities, even if we can't connect to them, even if we don't know what one of them is, one of them's a million things. They did launch themselves across the galaxy Mm -hmm. on just sort of a whim to just find a new place. And I think Noah sees that and she has like, she wants to understand in a special way. And she's this intercessor between these sort of little G gods and man in the way that Noah and whatever and her. But in this case, human bodies are the ark that are yeah, Noah's yeah. ark. Human bodies are a, a a drug trip of an ark, which is I don't know what Octavia yeah. Butler was cooking, but it's she's 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 got some great stuff going on in that head. You know what I was thinking, too, is like sort of like maybe the communities were sort of a reflection of humanity itself you know mm-hmm. like i mean especially you know if you think about it maybe the united states itself we're looking at that that kind of uh that that sort of long historical view just like what we do to other countries right to other communities right how mm-hmm. like we're like i think about like um like i i when i was reading this i was kind of thinking about um like phrenology and race science right mm-hmm. like how mm-hmm. like these these i mean like not to say these people weren't fucking they were fucking awful people but they really saw this as a discipline and a science like an right. actual like study of the natural world right and mm-hmm. like like it was sort of like the, like these characters especially the ones that were the applicants that are upset i just found it kind of funny that their complaints are complaints that you could levy against human humanity or the united states specifically writ large right or any or mm-hmm. any kind of state right um right. that engages in this 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 process process of forced assimilation right absolutely yeah it's it's it's, it's uh, um you kind of twigged something in my head there you know it's it, it's interesting that you know you have you have these disciplines you know you know to the extent that they were you know disciplines you know phrenology and all that that um 
they sort of seek to explain the prejudices that one's brought that one's brought up with that one's surrounded by that one indeed materially benefits from you know whether they know it or not instead of interrogating them and i yeah. wonder you know i wonder to what extent that that's true of the i wonder what to what extent that that's true of the communities um but again you know you would have to you would have to understand you know what prejudices they hold against us and i think i think that's what i think that's what separates it from the um from the race science angle right is that they're genuinely going into it with, with um you know from a position of ignorance yeah but it's interesting because Octavia Butler is also not doing the like easy, actually humans are the real evil thing here either. Like, yes, humans are the, maybe the, at least the American government is the greater, the more aggressive, but it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, these actual benevolent aliens. It's, we're, we're not doing like, I love Avatar, but this is an Avatar. This isn't like, yeah. oh, throw in with the Navi. This is like, there has to be some kind of synthesis here or humanity mm-hmm. dies out. Um, and, if, and, and that's, uh, it's interesting, and this is the one especially of the three that I was like, yeah, this could be a full novel. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it also really – go ahead. No, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Well it, well, it also really illustrates to me, like, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've kind of slagged on the idea of, okay, why, what do aliens have that – what do we have that aliens would want that lead them to invade, right? And that's sort of the first, the first question that you have to uh, answer when you're justifying aliens, right? I'm thinking of Three-Body Problem. Have you read Three-Body Problem, Aaron? No, I need to read that. I need to read it. It's it's a it's a banger. It's a banger. Yeah, we, we read that earlier. Yeah, we read that earlier. And <laughs> an episode where we had to be like, all right, so let's talk about the cultural revolution. Because yeah, anyway, <laughs> we, we could talk about the book, because you'll have to know about the cultural revolution. Literally, literally we mm-hmm. had to. Yeah. That's in part but, of the plot. But that's, yeah. but that's the thing, you know, it's like the Trisolarians, you know, the alien the aliens in that book are like down to their last world or whatever. They're looking for another one, you know. They didn't have to uh, run into humanity, you know. They ran into humanity because because, you know we happen to we happen to be there right and you know it's 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 not necessarily that we have something they want right it's just that we're there you know and what do you do when you're alone in this hostile universe and suddenly you not only a find another uh another alien species but b you're put in a position of okay well we're going to collide and possibly one of us is not going to survive right and that's the sort of thing that alien stories really interrogate is okay how you know how do these populations interact right how do they come to an understanding and indeed you know how does that manifest in brutality and also you know attempts to uh tr- to transcend it yeah yeah, yeah. and i i like i liked also towards the end of it um um, one of the characters is like, you know, there has to be a way that we can fight back, right? And I think, um, I think Noah just ignores the ignores that completely and just says, okay, we're ready to like, I'm ready to take you in now. And it's just there is this there is this constant thread of resistance throughout the conversation because mm-hmm. there are a couple applicants that are also asking, like, don't you hate them? Right. And it's like Noah's like, it's kind of like, no, I'm beyond hate, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one person also is like. I don't even I forget what the line is, but they're like, I don't even hate them necessarily. I just don't want them here, you know. Right. And like a lot of a lot of the story is just like kind of I think the hate is sort of uh, perpetuated by the fact that we don't know why they're here. We don't even know what they look like. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing, again, that creeps me out, because despite the descriptions that she gives, right, of these these yeah, bushes. It's vague. Yeah, it's very vague. And you still get the impression that people are really not sure if that's even what they look like or even mm-hmm. what looks what it looks like inside, you know, inside of one of them. And um, again, that fear of like the other and the unknown, like she's, she's dipping in not only cosmic horror, but also just like, you know, like, like, like sociology, right? Like the sort of in-group and out-group, what is familiar to us and what is uncanny, you know? Exactly. Absolutely. Do y'all have any, uh, 
And again, I say last thoughts. Of course, we could keep talking about this, but just for the interest of time, I definitely don't want to miss Book of Martha. Do you all have any, you know, closing thoughts on this story? Um, Actually, I, I like, I, you know what? I was trying to figure out which of the stories I like better out of these three. Um, and I like all three of them. Um, But out of the two alien invasion, I don't even call them invasions, right? Um, I think I liked, I like Bloodchild, you know? I like mm -hmm. Bloodchild a lot, but I think I like this more... Because although it was really just about a conversation, really, like a lot of it was told by Noah telling um, her backstory, mm -hmm. it just the sort of ambiguity and the mysteriousness of the aliens and this sort of especially the banger at the end, the bomb thing that really freaked me out, you know, because yeah. that's sort of like, damn, the man, like, at the end. Yeah, you like really don't have any way to get out of this, but through, you know, mm -hmm. um, which again, I think, Joss, you had mentioned this some. Um, it's sort of like when you were talking about the bot flying the infection, right? Um, that, and I think Octavia Butler would agree that like struggle, and and not acquiescence but adapting, right? Um, is a necessary quality for like life and maybe the mm -hmm. continued survival of the human race, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I also within, just yeah. sorry, go ahead. I, I you know just just uh, subjective conditions within the objective, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, as a closing thought, I just realized this, and of course, it had to end on something nuclear because it was about nuclear scientist Dr. Win Ho Lee. So, of course, she had to close it on something nuclear related. And oh, all I just realized about that, nuclear yeah. secrets. No, I realized it while I was sitting here just now. Um, yeah. and so we'll just conclude that on uh, Dr. Win Ho Lee. Sorry, you went through that. Come on the podcast if you want to. Yeah, come on the podcast, brother. Come on the pod. Um, I, I hope, I hope you found some peace. Holy shit, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I really um, hope you did. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, nothing. He wrote a nothing. Textbook nothing. Pretty recently. So nothing. He's, he's yeah, on his mind. Nothing material can can you know replace or undo or you know fill you know the gap that's been torn in his life certainly. So yeah. Well, let's on on the um. I, I don't have a good segue for this one. So just jumping into the book of Martha, and this is my favorite one. Um, published on sci-fi.com as well. Of Martha. <laughs> is that, is that a, I what is this a reference to? I don't. You got yeah, you know, the book Mormon? Oh yeah 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 yeah. There Sorry. we go. There we go. No, that was I'm... actually good. You should have kept going. That was great. Well done. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Jo Joss and I have some running bits we do. I'm um, not on the podcast, but maybe it should become where we make musicals about random things. Uh, there's a running Chinese Revolution Hamilton musical that we've we've been coming up with in our text. I'd watch that. <laughs> Yeah, it would it would be terrible. Uh, in be really 20, 2056, you know, Mao light up on Broadway. That would be. You know, <laughs> it just has to be written by somebody other than fucking Lin Manuel, Lin -Manuel Miranda. Yes, oh man! Indeed. But the Book of Martha, uh, published on Sci-Fi.com in May twenty first, two thousand three. It is the other edition to this book. We chose two late editions here, mm -hmm. um, and this is a story about trying to create the perfect world. Um, yep. And this book was interesting to me. This one was interesting to me because I had to like think what would I do in this woman's shoes? Essentially, yes. you have Martha and she is dreaming, but it's real. Of or God. dead? Is she's, she dreaming? Or... Yeah. She's, in a, she's in another space where she's speaking with God for sure. Hmm. Dreaming, dead, something. She is coming back though. Um, yes, yes. And, and she's speaking with God who throughout the story – transforms based on her own perception starts with these sort of 
these sort of uh, base perceptions of God as a, uh, as a, you know, a big white man with a beard and a throne. And throughout the tr- story, we'll transform to, you know, be smaller and then we'll be a black man and then we'll be a black woman that looks like her sister. Um, and God and God basically is, in this case, pretty bored. Like, it seems like this is just God is kind of bored. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and God tries to come off as more benevolent. But, like, I think God's not totally benevolent here god it's is almost just... sadistic almost in yeah. a way it feels like it almost feels like um you know like a little kid with the uh uh, uh with the uh what do they call with the uh microscopic with the why am the i not finding yeah the, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, with the, glass. yeah yeah the magnifying glass with the ants almost you know and now right, playing a game of sims maybe yeah basically and now we he just wants to see what somebody else would do differently and not even god. in a malicious way but it's curiosity right yeah God's already given up um, the all knowingness just because it, it bored him. He has that power and he gave it up. So he's even having to ask Martha, or he, she, they, the gender this is, is fluid a God here. that can indeed make a rock so heavy that they can't lift it. Right. You know, because yeah, they can lock themselves out of this knowledge. Absolutely. And um, basically tells Martha, this woman who is a writer by trade, a novelist by trade, very similar to Octavia Butler, mm. uh, I feel like is kind of the point there um tells tells you know it says came from a poor background you know struggled to become a writer black woman writer yeah it's 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 her it's her life um Mm. and and she and he tells martha okay you have the powers of god you get to make a couple decisions here there's no implication that you get to then change the things right you make your decisions here and you go into the world and you live and you got to deal with the decisions and um as a bonus, you will live at the lowest caste of whatever the world you create is. And it's not like a situation where it's like, a, I don't know, what's the movie? Bruce Almighty, where she's going to be able to adjust things in the world. She's not going to yeah. get to come back and reverse anything. This is one time, one time only. What adjustments will you make to the world? You have all the time you need. And I and God will give her advice. But mostly the advice is just like, I don't know. God's like the almighty dungeon master you Sure, you want to do that? Yeah, exactly. This is, this, this is like picking your loadout, you know, before mm. you get into the lobby to play like a, you know, like 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 a, like a shooter game or some like yeah. Call of Duty or some shit like that. You can't once you got what you got, you can't go back, you know. Yeah. Which the implications of this, um, you know, what this story reminded me. I actually, um, um, it reminded me kind of of those who walk away from Amelis, right? By um, by we Ursula K. Le Guin. You know, because because he he says to her, you 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 have the opportunity to like to save humanity from its own self-destructive nature especially with the way we're ruining the climate right and Mm -hmm. a lot of it is a conversation about her not being sure if her actions or choices will have the intended effect and if it'll actually create create the utopia that she imagines and i guess how much would one be willing to sacrifice to create that perfect world right um and yeah, I just got kept getting those who walk away from Melis Vibes, which is a story that I love a lot. But um, this well, we could talk about it. But her prescription for the solution actually um sort of ends up um at, ends up at a disadvantage to her own craft, right? And her own yeah. art, her own passion, her livelihood. It's it's interesting too that she he she chose the name Martha here, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So Martha in the Bible. Do y'all know do y'all know much about the story of Martha? No. So 
Martha, very minor character in the Bible. So much more famous is her brother, Lazarus, who was raised from the dead oh. by Jesus, right? Mm, but okay. Martha, while Lazarus is being, you know, risen from the dead or whatever, she she does two things. One, when Jesus comes to visit Lazarus, she criticizes him and she says, you should have gotten here earlier. You could have saved him. And then okay, he's like, Martha. and then he's, and then he's like, oh, why, why don't you have faith in me? I can raise the dead too. And then she's like, oh, well, I just kind of got dunked on. And then Jesus dunks <laughs> on her, like, and then Jesus dunks on her again another time in another story where he's at her house and he's teaching and she doesn't listen to his teachings because she's spending too much time preparing food for the guests, washing dishes. She's worrying about the little details. And her she's sister, like, all right, guys, shut up. Let me, let me pull this out the oven real quick. Guys. Right, literally that. Yeah. And her sister, Mary, not, the Mary, the mother of Christ, or Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. third Mary, um, very common name in this time, I guess, um, is listening to Jesus. And she says, and Martha says, Jesus, make Mary work. And Jesus says, Martha, no, Mary is caring about the higher calling, and you're just caring about earthly details. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in legend, she tamed the monster, the Tarask, but that's like Catholic extra. What is what is legend. the Tarask? What kind of like, monster is that? Is it like it's Leviathan? A, no, it's like a it's like a giant sort of dragon-ish thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's the most powerful monster in D&D. Um, yeah, you gotta <laughs> kill it, you gotta reduce it to negative 30 HP, and then you have to use Wish to make it stay dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, she's an interesting... There's a lot of interesting stuff. This idea of this like cynic, this critic, this person who's detail-oriented. And God used to choose... And I know I've been talking for a second here, but I'm really excited about mm, this. Please. God used to choose the Marys of the world, right? In the Mm. Jesus time, God used to say, Mary, no, I prefer you, you who listen to me, you who whatever. And now 2000 years later, humanity is becoming more adolescent. God is annoyed with all of this. And God is like, wait, I prefer the Marthas. I want to give the Marthas the power now. And that is what I find Uh, so interesting about this. And and this isn't by accident because Octavia Butler was – raised and was drilled the, the bible into her as a kid we talked about that in the last episodes about her but she knows the bible forward and backwards she was raised mm-hmm. in the church in a way that to the extent that she resented the church so she knows this stuff this is not an accident she did not choose a name at random mm-hmm. so i don't know if that gives you, know, you any I, thoughts no no that after you tell me that actually because this was probably my least favorite story mm. um at first um, until I got to the end, though, um, and we'll talk about that. What, what, what solution? She, um, what, what she decides to pick her one or genie wish. Um, yeah. but the, the, the symbolism with Martha, I think, is really interesting because when I was reading it, um, we were actually talking about us on the Trailblazers, I think, on the Patreon episode, but um, we were saying like, did God turn away from us or did we turn away from God, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in this one, it seems like a little bit of both, right? It seems that not only has God gotten fed up with humanity. But we have, and I guess this is why Martha picks the um the 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 wish or the uh, the panacea that she does, is that if not turned away from God, we've turned away from a higher calling of ourselves, right, and of what we can be, mm-hmm. you know, and um and Martha has to sacrifice like her craft and her own ability to imagine better worlds and create better worlds and futures for. I guess almost in like a Jesus sort of way, right? Instead of like dying on the cross, like it's her her passion, her craft that dies, right? Um, mm. and I'm dancing around it because like I feel like like the 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 reveal in what she picks is something that's so simple but also so beautiful. Like it's it's dreams, it's the ability yeah, to talk about it, yeah. Yeah, it's the ability to give people 
dreams that that not rival reality, but that reveal to them better possibilities and better ways of being. And the whole conversation about that is really interesting because God says, well, if the dreams are better than reality, then would people even want to live anymore? Maybe they would kill themselves and rather just be in a dream. Maybe they would lose any impetus um, um, to, to live life as it is. And I think what is what is her solution? I guess her solution is sort of, but what if the dreams again gave people a better way of being so that then when they right. woke up, they wanted to actualize that inspiration? And, yeah, mm-hmm. inspirational. And then she thinks about it and she says, actually, I really do like the story now, thinking about it as a writer. She says, Well, would people still read for pleasure? And he's like, Yeah, well, maybe, you know what I mean? But what's the point of creating stories anymore if the, the dreams that you have are better than anything that you could imagine and they push you towards actualizing this better world more than what you can read on a page mm-hmm. and that was really really powerful you know that like in jesus, like and artists yeah yeah in jesus with pleasure yeah. while teaching yeah. them that pleasure isn't everything yes you know? yes 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 and, and i'm done i just really it's... actually i actually jacob after you say that i appreciate the story a lot more actually this yeah. might might be this might be my favorite one, actually, thinking about it's, it that way. There's a lot just going on here. And it's, it's um, you know, it's it's like the role of the author, the artist in general, then becomes, and like even the intellectual, the idea of the better future. Yeah, no, everyone will have in their heads a rolled up artist slash writer slash dreamer slash Karl Marx put in their brain and been like, here's the better future and enjoy it and now forge it. And I, I don't know what that looks like. It doesn't show us what that looks like. Right. And I'm glad right. they the don't. Point, because that, the point is to change it. Yeah. Right. Yes. And yes. that is yeah. fascinating and, and weird. And I don't know that she made a good decision. That might not work at all. Like, that might be a terrible idea. I don't know. Yeah, because um, it's it, 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 it's weird to me because, like, it's that she settles on this acknowledging that it could destroy her craft right because essentially you know because what's the role of the writer as you said right you know give somebody a vision to strive toward right you know give some give somebody something to actualize without retreating into these fantasies entirely right um and she's essentially gave you know now everybody has a passive right everybody has that Mm -hmm. as a passive that is just like Mm -hmm. there um and i wonder because i was thinking about out um i was thinking about death note oddly enough right i was thinking about the limitation that um people have right about changing the world um according to how they believe they should you know according to a better version of this world that they are used to right without really Mm. interrogating the foundations thereof you know that's kind of the trap Mm. you fall into when you're using the death note and i'm not saying it's a trap for martha but is it's interesting to me that she lands on this avenue of self-sacrifice right you know Mm -hmm. because initially like we 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 should discuss this like she goes through um she goes through a couple of possibilities at first one like okay what if i just like restricted everybody's ability to like reproduce right everybody yeah, has she does kids. some malthusian shit yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 she starts she starts out you know like the uh the inadvertent like eco-fascist route right but yeah this is I was thinking like in, on, universal right? embracing of dingus thought. No, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, China had its own conditions. It's not, we're not, we're not taking a stand on that here. No, sorry. Go ahead, Joss. You get mad at us for something it's, else. It's, mm-hmm. it's what it's it's what she settles on because, you know, I want, and I wonder if it's not because she has that frame of reference, right? That, that you know, that self-sacrifice doesn't inherently of itself make this a more viable route, but that there's an avenue, you know, it's an avenue that um, she comes by a little more honestly than forcing somebody else to give something mm. up, right? Um, 
I think I think there is that sort of biblical um that that sort of biblical framing that sort of Jesus framing that leads her to that in no small part I mean again because she's memorized the Bible back and forth right um Jacob I was telling you earlier about how um God or this entity who claims to be God is telling her, you know, you're here with me. That's the word that she uses. Right. And what I immediately thought of is, uh, okay, the name Emmanuel, right. God with us. Right. Mm -hmm. And in that moment when they meet, God is essentially flipping the script. It's like, okay, you're with me. You're, you know, you're God with me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that I think she would have had in mind. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Actually, I like that you brought that up, Joss, because, she asked him again, you know, like, like, um, where am I, you know? And he again repeats with me. And I, I, I didn't, I was trying to figure out the significance of that, you know, because it almost sounds like he's saying like, you're a part of me or I'm a part of you almost, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's less about like, like locality in space and time and more about a state of being, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And she is in this in-between place. Like we were even saying in the beginning, is she dreaming? Is she dead? I'm not yeah. sure. She's able to sort of form reality around her while she's in this space. She's able to be like, okay, I want a sandwich. Okay, I want to be in my apartment. Okay, I want to be in the woods, you know. Um, it's an in-between place. She's sort of forging with her imagination um, and sort of and, – and, and it's strange. And God doesn't feel – God doesn't feel like a hateful God or a trickster God necessarily. There's a little bit of elements of trickster. But God doesn't seem spiteful. God does seem to want humanity to succeed. But God is also not this all-loving father God either. Um, yeah. God is this sort of in-between. God feels more like kind of an alien in this, like a third alien yeah. story. Um, God feels more like yeah. – interested in humanity and now and it's like oh i did that and that didn't work so i'm gonna do this now it almost feels a little bit like the communities the way they're like where they're trying things with humans and they don't have like bad intentions but they don't necessarily have the greatest intentions in the world and maybe god has a little more benevolence in this case but he still does rely on the humans clearly for entertainment because he said you know how boring it was to be all-knowing um and we don't know god in the sense is full Mm -hmm. life we don't know if God has got other planets he's also managing or if this is the mm-hmm. only one. We don't know the extent of his powers. That's not the point. The point is this decision that like Martha has to make in, in her relationship with this being. Um, and the point is also asking the reader, you know what? Well, what would you do with this and what's the right thing to do? And also thinking of sacrifice, um, both two sacrifices, one, the sacrifice of her career, but two, also the sacrifice of God tells you you're going to be the lowest class of this world, whatever it ends up being. And mm, thinking yeah. of like the concept of building of sacrifice for a better world. Yeah. 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 And I, I love also too, you mentioned this in the beginning, Jacob, um, and we should touch on it again. Cause I think this is really important. Um, like how not, not only does her surroundings shape him, like uh, according to her perception, as she kind of like, as like a writer, as an artist, she kind of fills out this world, fills up yeah. the page, fills in the colors. Um, also, like, as you mentioned, God themselves, God themselves, they change, right? From, like, the bearded white guy in the sky, he's like a giant, to a black man. And then, like you said, someone who look, could look like her sister. And I thought that was really important because, as he said to her, you will have to live as the lowest, as the lowest, um, uh, like, like, caste, race, whatever, right? And she laughs. 
And she says, like, and this is very Martha-esque from the Bible, right? Now that you told me that, she laughs and says, I'm a black woman, you know? I'm yeah. poor working class. But then God looks ends up looking like her, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just I, I kept thinking of Leo Tolstoy's. I mean, this is very probably literal, but the kingdom of God is within you. And again, this idea also, too, that like, I guess Carl Sagan has said this, a lot of people have said this, but the universe, our consciousness is the universe trying to know itself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe like this is God trying to like not really necessarily see what humanity is made of. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just kind of like handing over the reins to someone else who is human. Right. Who knows what it's I don't know. I I, I just thought it's I just thought it's kind of interesting that he didn't. As you said, he's tried other methods before. He's tried the burning bush, right? He's tried, um, you know, his only son. He's tried uh, dreams, I guess, speaking to people through dreams, but never someone who is a one, a kind of like a, a god maker in themselves, because it's a person who creates worlds, I guess, right? Um, but also is initially resistant to him, you know. Mm. So and- it's interesting that you bring up um the universe trying to know itself, right? Because I'm looking here at the very last page or two, um. And the very last thing, the one selfish thing, I don't, I don't know if I call it selfish, but right. But the one the one thing that she kind of does for herself in this whole equation is that she, yeah, she, Jacob, she opts to forget, right? Because mm. what does she say here? She says, I'm afraid the time might come when I won't be able to stand knowing that I'm the one who caused not only the harm, you know, any you know possible harm that could come from this, but the end of the only career I've ever cared about. I'm afraid knowing all that might drive me out of my mind someday. And that's what she chooses. Mm-hmm. You know, she chooses to forget. So it's it's I don't I'm, I hesitate to label it a tragedy, but you can certainly see how it might be that way, because, again, you know, here's the opportunity for somebody to fundamentally change the world Um and they're locking themselves out of the frame of reference they have for the way it used to be, right? Mm. So it's it's a um, it's a sea change that is that you can't really that you yourself can't really trace, even as you make it. Um, you being Martha, right? Mm. Um, which and 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 what do we do with that, right? What does that say about the way that we interact with the world and attempt to change it, right? Are we limited indeed by um you know are we limited indeed by our experience? I mean, we are, but you know, mm-hmm. um. Is 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 it a tyranny that we can't overcome? Open question, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, also, yeah. Too, yeah, also too. I'm I'm looking at the um. I, I didn't even read the afterward from this, but um, I mean, and it's probably pretty apparent here why she chooses dreams, is because everyone in their own private fantasy, right, can have the utopia that they want. And I was talking about those who walk away from a Melis earlier, but those who walk away from a Melis does, it does present to you what this perfect world looks like right the caveat is at what cost you know and this one we don't even know i mean because it's the private individual fantasies and worlds of billions of people right so utopia i get like i'm looking at the afterwards she says that um quote i don't like most utopia stories because i don't believe them for a moment it seems inevitable that my utopia would be someone else's hell so of course i have god demand of poor martha that she come up with a utopia that would work and where else could it work but in everyone's private individual dreams, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because dude, I thought Metaverse. before, like I thought before, man, if I could do some Thanos snap shit, man, mm-hmm. and just like you know, just snap my fingers, and I actually I would still do that, I'd get rid of all the Nazis, all these terrible right, people yeah. still, right? Mm-hmm. That would very much like 
be other people's hells. And sometimes I think about this too. And um, you know, I we're motivated obviously by a. I don't, even, I don't even joke around call it the immortal science, but it, it is truly like this scientific, but also like rational, not even moralistic way of looking at the world. Um, and I doubt any of us here that I, I think the world that we want to create would be not a paradise, but would be like the way that we should live as human beings, living out our true potential. But it did make me interrogate sort of my own ideas sometimes and how I think I'm the arbiter of like mm-hmm. what is actually true. And how much of that is based on my individual perception, right? As a human being, my quote lived experience, and um, yeah, I mean, no, I you know sometimes I'm like, yeah, would, would it would it do would is utopia possible? Would it is it can it exist? And um, I think that she provides the answer here, but yeah, but in your dreams, right? Only in your dreams, yeah. you know. It's well, interesting. Because... What else? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, it's interesting because the 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 dark side of this, the the evil version of this is the metaverse, right? You you live yeah. in your own little world and you have a miserable yeah. life and your nine to five is terrible or uh, and and then you escape for a few hours into the Internet where you're a God King. Um, and that's not what Martha's trying to get here. In fact, that's like the opposite. You know, she's talking about have this refreshing moment of rest and then you can try and build it versus mm-hmm. the idea of like leave reality behind but you know yeah. one wonders will humans be able to leave the dreams behind and that's an open question mm-hmm. and a question that if it was answered would defeat the purpose because we are living in the world martha created we are living yes. in a world where we have these dreams that exist from amazing writers like octavia butler who i was thinking less than three years after she wrote this story she died you know yeah, um yeah. she died unexpectedly she was in her 50s and she had an accident and uh, uh it's reportedly she had a fall that led to her stroke and you know she has a beautiful quote of one day i'll be an 80 year old writer that she said and and she never got mm-hmm. to be but mm. we have these leftover stories and these dreams that we do live in the world that we get to build. And we do have a question of, and us being enjoyers of fiction, do we retreat into the fantasy or do we pull from it and make something beautiful out of it? And what does that look like? Um, and that's a question we kind of have to try and answer every day, sort of through struggle. Well, and for somebody whose job, whose livelihood it is to build worlds, you know, um, what could be more utopian than having an all-knowing, you know, person to bounce your visions off of, right? And just take <laughs> apart, right? Yeah. You know, in a sense, this is kind of her dream, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I talking about this really made me appreciate the story um, even more, actually, because um, I've like I've been pretty depressed lately, and I've been like apoc- really in apocalyptic mode. You know, you right. were talking about a heat advisory warning earlier, Jacob, and I got that on my mm-hmm. phone for the first time a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, I, maybe I'm throwing a lot of things in here, but I think a lot of it, like, there's this whole, the metaverse is one thing, right? Like, living in these altered realities or augmented realities, but there's also the whole multiverse, right, mm-hmm. Um, um, phase that's going on now. I'm not just talking about Marvel, but I'm talking there's about- There's a lot um, of things, yeah. There's Yeah, dude, like, everything, everywhere, all at once kind mm-hmm. of dives into that. And because shit sucks so much right now, like, imagining better worlds and better futures or alternative futures- and maybe Octavia Butler was like, I mean, not the first to do it. People have been talking about alternate parallel realities, but reading this now felt especially relevant now that we have a culture that's so inundated with different possible worlds because this one does suck. But like you were saying, Jacob, instead of it being a place that you can escape to, it's where you can build reality out of, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, that was a uh, like, 
again, also, too, not completely reassuring. And it isn't quite like a tragedy, like you were saying, it's not quite a tragedy, but it is open ended. Right. Like, yeah. well, what do these dreams consist of? Right. And well, if everyone has their own little private fantasy and wants to actualize that, then I guess we're going to end up as fractured as we started, you know. So maybe her wish will maybe make things not worse or better, but the same, you know. I mean, we talked with Vijay Prashad about the if you could go back in time and change something, what would you change, right? And we're like, oh, well, I think, and it's great to be like, oh, well, I'd go back, fix the Sino-Soviet split, and now we'd have this great world. Or I'd go back and I'd keep Jesus from dying, and he would just set up socialism way back then. Or, you know, <laughs> like, it's easy to do that. And, like, be nostalgic for futures that never were or whatever yes. in the grand Lost sense. Lost futures, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and at the and and that's, you know, fun to deal with. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to deal we have to, you know, resolve these things and struggles and build build the world based on what we do have. And to quote Vijay Prashad again, this we will make this happen because we are billions, is what he said. Yes. And I love that. We are billions. And I always yes. remind myself of that. Um anyway. Yes. Um before we or yeah, I was gonna say, um, um, you know, as we sort of start to wrap things up, what 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 thoughts do y'all have, you know, towards the end here? Yeah, I, I was just thinking of what you just said. Um um that quote uh, uh we are billions and sort of like you know all these stories are about displaced people or people settling into unfamiliar environments or power dynamics or in this story given being given like the powers of a god essentially um but and maybe this is like kind of quietly spoken in her stories but like the only way out of any of this is through together you know yeah. And maybe I guess that's um, not my criticism of the story, but sort of my criticism of Martha's decision as beautiful and selfless as it was. It's not it's exactly it's not collective. And I think mm -hmm. Octavia Butler is critiquing that. Right. Mm -hmm. I think she's very aware of that and making that critique um, that. Well, I mean, like dreams are one thing, but and, you know, it sounds like like some Hallmark card shit to say, but maybe there should be. Maybe in the the cosmos sense, there should be a common cause, right, for mm -hmm. humanity and for us. That project is, you know, socialism. But um, but I yeah, I really do like that the story wasn't like it wasn't like prescriptive. It wasn't didactic. Like she wasn't trying to say this is the Aesop's fable lesson that you should take from it. Um, and that's why Martha wants to forget, right, mm -hmm. because she doesn't want to know the consequences of her decision. And I think. A lot like there's I just want to read a line real quick, actually, that um God says, right? Yeah, go for it. Um he says, um he says, exhaust them with pleasure, God mused, while teaching them that pleasure isn't everything. And Martha says, They already know that. And God says, quote, individuals usually know that by the time they reach adulthood, but all too often they don't care. It's too easy to follow bad but attractive leaders, embrace pleasurable but destructive habits. Ignore looming disaster because maybe it won't happen after all, or maybe it will only happen to other people. That kind of thinking is part of what me it means to be adolescent. And I really like last thing I'll say, I really like because, dude, again, I am I am um hell of uh, like a uh, black pilled right now. Not really because I'm a communist. So I, I'm not really I believe in like a better world. But um, this this thinking about this the phase of humanity as adolescence was really kind of like not infantilizing it actually made me a little bit hopeful and although i haven't read it 
it did remind me of the parable of the sour sort of where our destiny lies in the stars. And this is only yeah. you were saying this earlier, Joss. This is only a trans trans. This is a transitional um, moment, right? This is a, a a conjuncture, right? This is a flashpoint. You know, people are going through this um through some sort of development or process. And that I really like that passage a lot because it, even though God is critiquing humanity, it did it was a little bit optimistic in the sense that well this is just a phase of development right and hopefully mm -hmm. we'll get out of this and um yeah I really yo I really now that we again I can't have said this third time but um this is actually probably now my favorite story out of the three that we've read now that we're talking we're talking about it um I, I guess I was resistant at first because I was like oh well this is just. I know no, a lot of stories are just conversations, but this is mm -hmm. so fantastical. Right. Um, but I just I guess I had to talk to you guys about it to actually realize, like, you know, this is this is working on many levels that I appreciate. So yo, thank you. I like this yeah. story a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. No, it's the sort of story um, they all are, I think, that demand. Well, this this works as a send off, right? You know, her waking up, you know, and saying, OK, now I have to go out in the world and, you know, see what it's like. You know, it's it's it works as a send off for us as well, because, yeah, it's a story that demands to be discussed. Right. It's a story that yeah. demands to, you know, you examine, OK, you know, your way of looking at the world and thinking, okay, how do I change it? Okay. Where do I get my impetus for changing it in one way or another? You know, um, it's a, and I think as well, the story, um, all the stories in a sense are as bleak as, uh, as bleak, as bleak as many of them are, you know, as bleak as the subject matter is that they deal with. Um, I think they do encourage the reader to seek um, to seek optimism and fulfillment in mm. not acquiescing, but surviving in yes. finding a reason to to struggle on. Right. In sort of sketching the contours of the world so that you can one day add your own strokes to the whole painting. Right. Mm. You know, you don't necessarily know where you're going, but sometimes, you know, it has to be enough to know that you're going somewhere. Right. There's a story in this book that we didn't read, which is Speech Sounds. It's about a pandemic that, you know, removes. I got to read that one i read yes. the synopsis I, yes. i'm gonna read actually like but probably not that i'm gonna go to bed after this but i might actually before i go to bed i'm gonna check that one out because it's in this collection it's yeah. it's it's my it's my favorite of the collection by far like it's a pandemic that strikes everybody silent you know it's it has different effects on everybody some people can like um some people can't read anymore some people can't read or speak some people can speak but they can't read you know mm -hmm. um and the ruin that that wreaks on society you know but yeah. it still tries to go on you know there's still a bus system operating there's still a government after a fashion right um and you know i'm not going to say how it ends but it's it is i think the most optimistic in a story of um you know in a book of optimistic stories right you know you have a mode of communication you have you share a fraction of the lexicon of the sort of uh, symbols of the uh, of the communication that the rest of the world might share and what do you do you find something that you share among all these different people and you try and build something off of that right yeah, because yeah. you know that's you know just think of how we got here you know think of civilizations meeting and you know you read about interpreters from like the 1600s right of you know people crossing continent crossing seas to get to other continents right where do interpreters come from right where do you know native americans who can also speak the language you know or europeans mm -hmm. who learn who learn cherokee or whatever come from right they come from interaction they come from struggle you know and again you know it's it's 
it manifests in uh it manifests in terrible things but you know here we are and it's mm. and you know ours is the duty of forging something better out of what came before Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Octavia yeah. Butler describes herself as a pessimist, if I'm not careful, and I think that's uh, uh, that's a lot of us pessimists if we're not yeah. careful. But we can build a better world. There is possibility. Mm. And on that note, um, before we go, Aaron, do you have anything you want to plug? Any final thoughts you want to drop on us? Yeah, one one thought I was um one thing, last thing I'll say about uh, Octavia Butler as a writer, as a person. Um, and this is my first introduction to her work. Um, I'm gonna read definitely gonna read this is like inspiring makes me want to write but also too i think you were saying Josh, about um in her stories uh, despite the fact that they may be dystopian um they might be bleak there's this optimism and i don't know what other way to put it but like i mean she's a black woman you know she's like she's like you know a member of a people like myself who the only thing that we've ever done any marginalized group of people any oppressed people is struggle and not adapt right not necessarily acquiesce right but find a way to live right mm -hmm. um because i mean i don't know man i say this all the time like i kind of refuse to believe man that like the fact that like first of all we're in atlanta right we're in a region of the country that was literally eh, still arguably and the whole it's this all it's all slave it's it's all slave country it's all but still right we have modern slaves but still mm -hmm. the fact that we are in a part of the country in which like we're able to have this conversation. We're able to have this relationship. We're able to talk like this. And something like even Cop City, right? Just going to go back full circle. The fact that they're even fucking doing this shit down here and the kind of resistance that like they've like meted out against people, like, and that sort of struggle. I don't want to say that this is necessary and this has to be, but the fact that the, the kind of community and the resistance that's been built up around it is sort of, I don't know, man, it's just emblematic of like, not just the radical black tradition, I guess, but like sort of the resistance like uh, in the South, right? Among communities that have been like, you know, terrorized and marginalized for like ever. And I don't know, I feel like all of that comes across in her work without her even trying mm -hmm. just because of who she is, right? That sort of optimism and that continuing to fight and collectivize for a better world. And I, I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed uh, the stories I read in this collection. She's, she's, also amazing prosaic stuff i haven't said that already so um mm -hmm. yeah um the, the old yeah. world's dying the new world struggles yeah. to be born now is the time yeah. of monsters you can say that yeah. about a lot of stuff i know i've said it about other works but you know the fabric of society must tear where conditions are sharpest you know and you know mm -hmm. what do we knit together after that absolutely yeah. absolutely all right well i appreciate you coming on aaron where can people find you uh, people um, can find me uh, on uh, Twitter, uh, my last account. I'm not making another account. If I get nuked, this is it. Uh, at uh, Not Borg posting. Afrocosmos. That's what it is. Man, I, um, I followed you. I followed you from account to account, man. Volcano emoji after volcano emoji. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really diseased, man. I need to get the fuck off that site. but um, Or it needs to just crash. But also people yeah. can check out the Trillbillies. Um People can check out Struggle Session. Everybody loves communism, which actually, um, I was gonna say this to you guys after, but I'll just say it here. Um, I'm gonna ask my co-host actually if it's cool with you guys if we uh, if we we have uh, if everybody loves communism, we have a Lost Futures kind of series where we kind of it, yeah. do exactly the yeah we kind of do exactly this where um we talk about um um speculative fu uh, futures and speculative fiction. So uh, maybe we can cross post this. Like I'll ask, like yeah, I'll ask my um uh, when you guys have it done and up, I can ask my coast of um I don't have to ask them. They'll be fucking cool with it, and we'll just some um, cross 
post it on um on the Lost Futures. Cool. Feed too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Would love it. Mm. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. That sounds great. Well, appreciate you coming on and everybody. Um, Joss, you you usually are better than me thinking of episode specific send offs. You got something? The book of Monica. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very pleased that you did that again. I was waiting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one, everybody. Yeah. Peace thanks out. again, guys, for having me on.